Okay, last week, uh, we just began this discussion, this new series that we're doing, where we uh, kind of dug into uh, the fact that when Jesus came, he came to bless. It's what he came to do. That Literally every place he goes, he's bringing blessing with us. We unpacked the very first recorded sermon we have from Jesus. His first words are blessed. And he unpacks this, what we call the Sermon on the Mount, where he's saying, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And he unpacks. And what he's showing us is, of course, the Father's heart. And what he's saying, I came so that you would be blessed. He's, he's saying those words to turn Turn the thing upside down to say, hey, the, I, listen, you'll bless the Father uh, for all that he has given to you, but I want you to understand the Father's heart to you. I'm calling you into a place of being blessed. And so we get to see Jesus uh, unpacking this for us to remind us of the Father's heart and, and to show us, here's who my Father is. And when you know, and when you see him, and when you discover who God really is, then you get maximum human flourishing, all right? And that's what we all want. Let's just be honest about that from the beginning. Every one of us wants maximum human flourishing. That's what we, we want it for ourselves. We want it for our relationships. We want our relationships to flourish, our work to flourish, our careers to flourish, the resources that we have to flourish. Every one of us wants to see maximum flourishing. That's because, of course, we were always meant to flourish, we were created by God to be in this incredible relationship with him where we were fully flourishing all the time. And we had this gross thing called sin that came in, entered into the equation, and smashed down human flourishing. You want to know the essence of what sin is? Is when it separated us from God and destroyed human flourishing. And then we began to clamor and try to fight for our own flourishing outside of the plan and purpose of God. We ran to try to make our lives matter in some way apart from him, and it was broken. And we've all experienced that. Every one of us who's tried to do our own thing has felt the weight of trying to make our lives flourish apart from God, and it's empty. It's broken. This is what sin did to the human equation. We were separated from God and we imploded. And God said, I don't want you to implode. I'm going to make a way for you. And he sent Jesus. And so we've been marked by that. And so you'll see all throughout, even through the scripture, you'll see in the text in Romans where it says creation is groaning for the revealing of the sons of God. Saying it's, it's clear we've been subjected to the futility of this life. The, meaning, the futility meaning we can spin our wheels and try to make things happen. We've been all been subjected to it. And creation's going, oh my gosh, I can't wait to see God unveil. And what is he unveiling? What he wants to unveil is this, our sonship, daughtership our identity, for us to actually see who we really are always made to be, what we will forever live in. Hey, I'm looking at you right now, you guys online. You have, uh, if for all that have called on the name of Jesus, you have the guarantee of maximum human flourishing for eternity. 
It's what you have. Might be rough right now. Might be in a, a rough patch. Might be going through some difficulty. We'll have one hour on this earth where we're gonna fight through some things. But what God has said is, I'm guaranteeing maximum flourishing because it's in my presence. This is what creation is groaning for that unveiling, for the revealing that God wants to do in our lives. And so we defined uh, last week that God himself is the greatest blessing. If you want maximum flourishing, it all starts with Jesus. That's where it happens. And the more that we get with him and the more we get into him, the more he gets into us, it changes the nature of how we see life so that we can go through ups and downs, all the trials, and say that he is the treasure, right? He's the treasure. Because guys, this is what the gospel is, right? That you can be set free from the power of what sin stole from us, to be reintroduced to a new way of life that no matter how good or bad things are going in this life, that we can always be flourishing because we have him. We can always be flourishing because we have him. Might not feel that way, but we can be flourishing because we have him. This is what Jesus accomplished on the cross, what we're gonna celebrate in just a few days in his resurrection. And so, because of this thing called sin that entered into the equation and this wrestle that we feel, there are two things that Scripture is going to reveal to us about what it means to walk with the Lord in maximum blessing. What does it look like and how do we get to it? How do we get back to this relationship? If Jesus has opened the door for us to jump back into full-fledged relationship with the Father, to know him and to walk with him under his covering and blessing, then what does it look like and how do we get into it? Because that's what we all want. We want to see that and experience that. So what does it look like? There's two truths I want to unpack from Scripture, and then we'll just ask the Lord to begin to do this in us as a church family. Number one, I want you to hear this. The blessings of God will not be fully experienced passively. They must be fought for. I'm going to say this again. <clears throat> if you want maximum human flourishing, if you want a maximum flourishing in your family and in your ministry and in your relationships and all of the things where God wants to come and invade, it, ain't, it, it will not happen sitting back passively. It's got to be run after pressed for, fought for. Last week, we unpacked a little bit of the story of Abraham. God comes and makes a covenant with him. He says, I'm gonna give you blessings beyond your wildest imagination. I'm gonna come over you. I'm, you're gonna be the father, but I want you to know the richest thing that you'll have is me. He says that in Genesis 15. And there are gonna be many obstacles on the way, right? It's not a, it's not a straight uh, and and it's, it's not a straight path. He's got to go through some valleys and some hills and some difficulties, right? But you go and you continue to follow the story of this man's line, which of course we've all been adopted into, by the way. You skip a generation down to his grandson, Jacob, and you'll see that Jacob is just as much of a mess as his grandfather was, okay? In fact, just good news in general that all the people that God uses, they're just categorically a mess, all of them, all the time. Just 
It's so beautiful. It should be so encouraging to you if you're going like, I'm in here, Keith, and all this blessing talk sounds good, but I'm a total mess. Just good news for you. God's setting you up for a great story. Okay, that's all this. If you're going feeling like I'm a mess right now, you're headed for a great story because God uses messes. This is what he does, okay? So Jacob's kind of a mess. He swindles his brother Esau. His, his, the firstborn is Esau, and he swindles Esau out of his birthright uh, his inheritance, uh, because one day Esau comes in and he's hungry and he's famished and 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 basically Jacob says, "If if if you'll give me your birthright, I will give you this bowl of chili." <laughs> it, it, I'm not lying. In the Bible, it says red stew. All right, where I come from, red stew—that's chili. All right, so. <laughs> Esau, Esau's hungry. Jacob made chili. And just for clarity, I mean, if, if Esau was willing to give up his firstborn inheritance over a bowl of chili, I want that recipe. I, I want to know how good that chili was, right? I'm just kidding. All right, so moving on. Okay, so the family, this, so listen, he swindles him out of his birthright for a bowl of chili, and then he steals his blessing. All right, this is Jacob. This guy's a mess. Steals his blessing when the, it's time for uh, his father to, to pass on. He comes before him, and, he, and he, he literally puts on, I don't even go into all the story. He puts on camel's hair or some kind of hair because his brother was hairy. It's a crazy story. You're gonna have to read the story. You gotta go in, uh, back in, in Genesis and read the whole thing. But the guy's crazy. He's stealing birthright, and then he finds that. And so now Esau's mad, so he has to flee. So he runs away. He runs away because he's stolen the blessing, and he's stolen his inheritance. So he runs away because he knows, basically says Esau wants to kill him. And he runs to his uncle's house, Uncle Laban. And I'm just going to summarize this story because there's a whole bunch of crazy things that happen. And again, we can identify because if you're going like, I got a crazy family, you can identify with this story. These, these people are a little bit off kilter. And so he runs to his uncle's house and he says, okay, um, I'd love to, I want to marry one of your daughters. And the guy says, okay, you can marry one of my daughters, but I need you to work for seven years in order to have access to one of my daughters. So he says, okay, I'm going to marry. Uh, he works for seven years and uh, the dad does a switcheroo and gives him the other daughter, the one he wasn't trying to marry. And then he says, hey, you did a switcheroo on me. And there's so many things to this story, but <laughs> we don't have time for. And he says, okay, if you want to marry the original daughter, I need seven more years. So these, he, so Uncle Laban is swindling him. He says, fine, I'll give you seven more years. But guess what he does? During that 14 years to be able to marry these young women, you know what he's doing? He's like, he, he, he says, hey, if, you, if you'll let me just have the spotted or speckled goats, if you'll let me have those speckled goats, then um, uh, that, that'll just be payment for me. And Laban's going, yeah, but speckled goats come by like every once in a blue moon. Of course you can have the speckled goats. That's great. You know what he does? He puts these white, like white tree strips in the water, and whenever they breed, it, they end up breeding these speckled sheep, sheep and goats all the time. I don't know how it works, but you put poplar in the water, they're, yeah, and you're all looking at me like I'm really crazy right now, but this is actually a real story. And guess what? He builds a massive amount of wealth because all of a sudden he's got all these sheep and goats. He's figured out how to create these little things. So the guy's just like swindling his way through and he's just, a, he's kind of a rough character and you're going like, how on earth has God picked this family to do these things? 
And why would he bless this kind of, this kind of people with this, this thought process? And so they're going through and he realizes, okay, he's finally got these two wives. It's time to move on because Laban's catching up to the fact that now he's got this massive herd of, he's actually become a wealthy man. And he knows Laban's gonna get, catch on to it. So he's got, I gotta run away. And you know, he's going, there's only one safe place I can actually go. I gotta go back home. And that's where Esau is and he wants to kill me. So he's in, a, he's in a rough spot and he's going, there's all these promises on my life. I'm kind of a mess. And he goes back and he sees Esau off in the distance, got 400, 400 men, 400, uh, an army of 400 men. And he knows he's in trouble. And so we come to this place. You say, why are you telling this crazy story? Look at Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32, Jacob's left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. So what he comes, he comes back to his homeland and there's a fight, a wrestling. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. But then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now listen, Jacob may be a mess, all right? But he's not stupid. He recognizes he hasn't just come into contact with a mere man. He's been wrestling with God. Even though he's wounded, Jacob sees this, the opportunity of a lifetime in front of him. That he's facing chaos and fear and all the mess that he's partially created. And he's going to do whatever it takes to come on into the blessing of God. Verse 27, and he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Of course, the word Israel in Hebrew means one who strives with God. And what we get to see here is not Jacob fighting. Listen, he's not fighting against God in this case. He's fighting with God that God would bless him. In other words, Lord, whatever it takes, whatever it takes to come up under your blessing over me, and over my family, and over the people around me, all the employees that I cover, all the people that I come into contact with, all the people that are in my life, that whatever it takes to come up into that, I'm going to do it. Even if it means I'll wrestle with you, and even if it means I'm gonna walk with a limp for the rest of my days, more than wealth or more than possessions or more than things, what I need is you. You're the one I'm coming after. And I'm not letting go of you until I have you. We see verse 29, then Jacob asked him, will you tell me your name? Of course, he just got a brand new name. Please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So God sees Jacob wrestling with him. And he wants to know, who am I wrestling with? He's, call, he's calling it and saying, I know that you're beyond me. 
and I want to know who you are. And it's at that moment that God comes and gives blessing over him. In other words, he says, God's saying, you know who I, I am. That before we ever met, you may have ignored me. You may have gone your own way. You may have found your life kind of a mess. You haven't done things right. You hadn't done things perfect. But I'm the one that your grandfather told you about. I'm the one who's come to give the promises that I have over your life. I'm the one that has been before you. Even when you lived your own way, I've been the one seeking after you and covering you to come before you, to come over you. But, but hear this. But God only blessed Jacob after Jacob fought for it. Willing to wrestle, willing to go the distance. And this is what we'll see all throughout the scripture. That we must desire the blessing of God enough to fight for it. Got to be willing to go after it. I want you to hear this. I'm not talking about striving in religious, uh, with a religious spirit. I don't mean we have to do things in order to get God to be happy with us. We don't have to do things to get God uh, to do things on our behalf. That's not what I'm talking about. In fact, that's not what we see with Jacob in any way. What we see is you're the one, you're my true treasure. You're the one I'm coming after and I want relationship with you. You're the one in the pursuit of my heart, right? We've got to be willing to fight for it because listen, we can all struggle with this because here's the thing. It's easy to think this. If God wants to bless us, then why didn't he just do it? If God wants to bless our lives, why didn't he just snap his fingers and make all the things happen, right? That, that's a very, very simple question. And the simple answer is, and we'll see all throughout the word of God, God wants us blessed and strong, not spoiled and weak. I'm gonna say that again. God wants you and I blessed and strong, not spoiled and weak. Have you guys ever heard of the term um, lawnmower parents? You ever heard of the term lawnmower parents? It's actually like a psychological, I mean, this is a, 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 a situation in which psychologists have actually spoken to this issue of lawnmower parents. So a lawnmower parent is instead of preparing children for challenges, lawnmower parents mow obstacles down so the kids won't experience them in the first place. They're just going and trying to make everything happen for them. And I listen, I'm sure parents do this because they love their kids. They want to, if you will, bless their children. They want to help them. We all, as parents, for you that have had children, uh, you understand that. But one, literally, one clinical psychologist says that this actually takes away from the practice of important long-term goals that kids can benefit from like uh, uh, resiliency, grit, problem solving, conflict resolution, and coping skills. In other words, it makes kids, when, when, when lawnmower parents go in front to try to make all the bad things go away, it makes kids weak and ill-prepared for life. So our heavenly father, hear this, our heavenly father wants to bless, but he is good enough to seek our maturity and strength. He's saying, how, how, how willing are you to come after it, to fight through it, fight for it, to see all the things that I have for you? If 
Do, do we find that at that moment where there's some opposition to what's going on in our lives, and we've all experienced opposition, are we willing to say, God, I'm not letting go of you? I know you have truth and promise through this. You might be going through one of the darkest valleys of your entire life. Will you fight to hold on to him? God, I'm not leaving you. You're not leaving my side. I'm holding on to you. you gotta, if you gotta break my hip and I gotta walk with a limp the rest of my life, I'm holding on to you and trusting you through the valley. It's the call in our lives I don't, I don't know that I could say this for sure, but I'm sure that Jacob would have just been happy if God made it so that Esau was super happy with his you know, situ, new situation and he just it was able to skate through the deal. But God was not satisfied with Jacob living less than the very best when it came to blessing. God was gonna call Jacob up and that's what we got to see. If you go back to Genesis 32, verse 30, it says, so Jacob called the name of the place Penuel, meaning, uh, which means face of God for saying, for I have seen God face to face and yet my life has been delivered. God gave Jacob far, far, far more than Jacob desired. He gave, hear this, he gave Jacob himself. When he wanted the resolution to fix all the problems and Esau's army is bearing down on him, what does God do? He gave him himself. Pulled in to his life and wrestled and said, do you want the blessing? Let's, let's go there together. Now listen, I'm gonna, I'll be honest with you. I, mean, I think we could all be honest. This has been a weird, if not bad year, right? We are exactly 12-ish months into a, a, the, one of the most trying, unique moments in the history of our lives. All kinds of upheaval and a pandemic and all of those things, things that we would never see. And it would just be easy to say this. And I'll just be honest with you. I've had this feeling. I just wish things would kind of go back to normal. Don't want to have to wear a mask. Don't want to have to like, you know, elbow bump. And you're just going, I just wish things would go back to normal. And here's my question. What if God doesn't want us to go back to normal? What if this hour has been a disruptor to begin to disrupt some of the rhythms of our own lives to say, hey, it might be worth wrestling through this moment, just fighting for something richer and deeper than comfort than for everything just to be easy and good. I, I, guys, hear this. I think, and I would just be the first to confess this. I think it is so incredibly easy to believe that God's blessing means easy life. And that you can look around the world and see those that seemingly have an easy life and go, man, they've just got God's blessing. When what God is saying is, no, you can have me no matter what the circumstance. I'm the blessing. You can thrive in the midst of the darkness. What if the Lord just doesn't want to go, us to go back to normal? What if he wants to disrupt a little bit? I know he's disrupted my life this, this year. And having to jump in with him in new ways, having to deal with new attitudes and seeing gross things come up in me and having to confess those and repent of those things. 
and pride and arrogance and impatience. And if I, could, if I could give you a laundry list of all my sins, we could go, we could be here for a while, all right? I gotta wrap this thing up. In fact, I'll ask our team to come up. Here's what we're gonna find. What if God is using and has used some difficulty to pull our hearts into a place of being willing to wrestle him for the best? That we have a good father who's not a lawnmower parent. He's seeking to make you full and mature and alive. He's ready to pull you into new levels of leadership New levels of anointing, I want you to hear this. New levels of authority, new levels of influence, new levels of blessing in your marriage and with your children and with your friendships and your coworkers. There are new levels that we all get to rise up into, but it isn't gonna go on our own and it won't come through the easy way. It will come when we wrestle with God and say, I'm, I know that you're my blessing. I'm coming to you. I need more of you. I love the, the text. Um, it, you probably got it on a coffee mug somewhere or in your home, hanging up on a wall. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Does that sound like a blessing? That sounds like a blessing. You know, God, by the way, spoke these words over Israel in a time of crisis. But he's so clear about the nature of the blessing because I want you to hear this because the verse right after it is where the rubber meets the road. Because he said, well, here's what it looks like to walk in it. You know what he says? Verse 12, then you'll call on me. And you'll come and you'll pray to me and I'll hear you and you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. So here's the goodness of a father saying, listen, I got plans for you, okay? But I'm not, I, I'm not willy-nilly dumping these out. I want you to come on a journey with me to discover me. I want you mature and strong. I'm gonna walk with you through the valley. I'm gonna walk with you through the battle. I'm gonna walk with you and give you myself. I'm gonna give you my love and strength and hope and assurance and power, my heart, my goodness. That's what I have to give. And it's rich. And it brings life, but it comes to those who are willing to fight for it. Not striving in religion, opening our hands up and saying, God, let's do this wrestle, but I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving the room. I'm not leaving church today. I'm not turning off the screen until I believe, Father, that you have the best for me and I'm coming to wrestle with you. You know, Jacob, effectively, he's looking for peace with his brother as he comes back. And what God says is, no, you want peace with me. That's what you want. Your heart's swindling. You're running for a hundred other things. I want to give you me. That's the beauty of this story. This is what the Lord wants to do. I want you guys to stand with me. Because we're going to, and I will unpack this and I'll finish with this. 
Because here's, I, I said there were two things that we'll see from scripture and we're gonna unpack the next one next week and you don't wanna miss this. Because the blessings of God, as I said, the first thing is the blessings of God are not received passively, but only when we press in. But the second thing is this, the blessings of God will not be fully experienced until we begin to give it away to other people. That what God has to pour into you and what he has to give to you and all of the ways that he's anointing you and giving you leadership and giving you abilities and skills and all the things that he's given to you and the covering, he wants all of that in you given away. Touching the lives of people. We're gonna unpack a little bit more about what that actually looks like for us in real practical ways. So it's not gonna sit up here in the theological realm. It's gonna come down here in our lives and how we begin to walk it out. And so I'm looking forward to unpacking that with you next week. But understand this, this is what the Lord is doing in this hour is to say, are we gonna be willing to wrestle with him for it? And to believe that God wants to not only bless us, but to use us to be a blessing. Let me tell you, as sure as I see every one of you here, you guys that are at home, you are meant to experience the full blessing of God so that you bless the people that you come into contact with. There's mission and purpose on your life to touch people's lives and to see God advance through who you are and the way that he's uniquely crafted you, not the way that he's crafted me, the way he's crafted you. We're gonna talk about more about that next week, but I'm just gonna ask that God would do that and we'll just finish. But just declaring this truth, God, that God's gonna use us, set us on fire for his namesake and glory. Father, I'm asking that we would come up under the truth of your word that you have sought to. Jesus, you came to bless. In fact, you say, I came to serve and bless, not to be served, to give my life and lay it down. So Father, we wanna receive what you have to give to us. New blessing, to be willing to fight. In fact, the Lord's just saying, hey, some of you, it's just time to say, I'm willing to step out of the comfort zone to wrestle with the Lord a little bit. And I might come out with a limp, but I'm gonna come out fully covered by the Father. So I just wanna pray blessing even right now. Father, would you grant to every one of us a new hunger to seek after you. I love the scripture. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. God, would you give us full hearts to come after you? Not half-hearted uh, approach. Lord, more full today than we were yesterday. Just more hungry for you, more hungry for your presence, more hungry for your word, more hungry for your truth, more hungry for your life. Knowing God, it's in you that we get the fullness of joy in you and with you are right at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Lord, fill us to the full measure, overflowing, so that we might touch the world around us. Let's worship.